Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Taniguzzi with Calgary's podcast on Canada's podcast network. Joining me today is Jason Ribeiro, who is vice chairman and president of Calgary Surge, a new uh, franchise in the Canadian Elite Basketball League here in Calgary. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Jason. Thanks, Mario. Happy to be here. All right, let's talk about this uh, uh, new franchise for Calgary, another sports team for for the city. Uh, tell me what uh, what led to this, and uh, and you and your partner bringing uh, this team to the city. Well, it's 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 a it's a, a long story, but I'll distill it. You know, my my partner in this venture, Usman Tahir Jud, uh, and I, you know, have been friends for a few years. His brother was best man at uh, brother in law was best man at my wedding, um, and, and we'd been talking over a number of years about what we could do to help the city, and we'd done that individually. Uh, him being a successful entrepreneur. Uh, myself being in public policy and economic development and uh, a whole host of issues on boards as well. Um, but what we eventually realized was that, you know, there would be an opportunity where we could potentially do something together where, you know, sort of my interest in in sports and economic development and his interest on the operational business side and the franchise side would someday meet. And so we talked about philanthropy, we talked about youth, and above all else, we knew that we shared each other's values. And then when we heard that the Guelph franchise was moving to Calgary, uh, the story goes, I think I screenshotted the press release, I texted him and I said, uh, are we doing this? And he said, yeah, we're doing it. Um, now, obviously, it's a bit of an oversimplification, but we we did a lot of due diligence and work with our partners at the league. Uh, uh, they were fantastic uh, to, to work with. And led us to an announcement and uh, a successful one at that. Um, you know, the line I use is, it's probably a thousand ways that launching a sports franchise and a, and a brand can go wrong and probably only one or two, right? And due to the strength of our partners in the league and, and certainly our front office, I'm, I'm proud to say that we got it right. So tell me a little bit about your sports background then and uh, or, or sports interests and, and then the why behind this. Yeah, so, you know, both of us, I think, grew up playing sports and I think, for different reasons, uh, I think had a, a relationship with with sport that was close. Uh, at our press conference, Usman talked about the fact that you know he's the eldest of eight. Family didn't have a lot of money, and so the sports that they were given to play, or the games that they were given to play, were ones where obviously there wasn't a, a big access barrier in terms of cost. And so you know, a ball and a hoop, um, and and that's all you really need. Um, for for me, you know, growing up playing sports extensively. Um, um, it was always in the back of my mind, never on the business side, but I just knew the power that that sport could provide. Um, and when you're a kid, you know, all alone, you've been knocked around a couple of times. Again, sometimes all you have is that big patch of grass and that hoop and that ball and eight hours go by and you find some escapism. And so it was meaningful for me in that way. And then obviously, I think in, in Calgary, he's been sponsoring teams and uh, sending people to games uh, in Calgary for me. You know, I'm on the board of Sport Calgary. Um, you know, it was a you know big part of standing up the Active City Collective, with tried, which has tried to I think promote the active economy and and just how much uh, revenue is generated to our local economy from sport and recreation. Uh, and then thirdly, I've been you know centrally involved in conversations about you know the future of sport and our economy through the lens of bidding for another game and renewing our 88 
uh, legacy. And so for, for both of us, I don't think we ever saw ourselves getting into the sports business. But once we learned more about the offering that the Canadian Elite Basketball presented, which is community-minded, entertainment-focused, uh, and certainly has all the basketball pieces in place, we felt uniquely positioned as well, given my background in broadcasting and 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 a lot of other things that said, you know, this is an odd sort of mix. Um, we don't look, uh, you know, the way that a traditional professional sports ownership group does. But um, I think those are all the reasons why this was compelling for us to do. And the response has just been overwhelmingly positive. So good validation so far. So tell me where the name Surge came from and the meaning uh, uh, that you hope to convey, I guess, the people with that name. Yeah. So when we had, uh, you know, first gone on this journey, uh, you know, the last thing we were thinking of was what was the name? We were just figuring out the fundamentals yeah. of the business and and how the market would would receive it. And so the 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 league had undergone a, a very broad grassroots um, uh, online naming campaign. And so as those results would trickle in, I would look and and there was certainly, I think, uh, you know, and, and this is not a surprise, being the energy capital of Canada, there was a central theme around uh, energy. And what I think what was interesting to Usman and I was how do we make that more of a wink uh, than a very sort of hammer-driven uh, proposal? Um, and how do we differentiate ourselves from, from the market? And so in conversations with the league, uh, the, the story goes, and this was said at our press conference, uh, there was another ownership group that was bidding for the team. And they mentioned the name, and when it was determined that we were going to be the group that actually went and brought this investment forward, they said, why don't we, can we tell those guys the name? And we think it's a, maybe it's a good name. And it, it played off of all of the grassroots engagement that we had seen in the online campaign. So they said, in typical Calgary fashion, they said, of course, let them know the name. No problem. We're here to support them. And so uh, that name was Surge. Um, I didn't want it to be literal as well. I didn't want it to be you know, uh, the version of a Red Hawk and we're called the Red Hawks. I, I like that yeah. it was subtle and and a little bit more of uh, more than just an item. And then I thought we, we started to think about, well, what is a surge? You know, it's a fourth quarter surge at the end of a game, as you hear that all the time, the, the surge yeah. of of momentum, um, an uprising, an overwhelming feeling of emotion, a surge of emotion. And down the line, I went and I said, that's pretty good. And uh, I know to take a good idea when I get it. And uh, and here we are. So here's a curious thing. Uh, uh, tell me where what you see as uh, are there any differences in running a, uh, a sports team and a sports franchise as a business and then running Jason's widgets uh, retail store? Yeah, I, I, I think. Um like we're learning in the marketplace that every sector right now has to be dynamic. Uh, things are changing at such a fast clip that you can't sort of rest on your laurels of this is how the sports business is done. This is how the energy business is done. Um, they're changing so quickly uh, and you have to keep pace with what the fundamentals are. And so what we've sort of trained our eyes on are, yeah, you know, certainly there's some good establishments, uh, business principles that we're bringing to this, but where is sports heading? And what is differentiating the very, very successful teams from those that are are lagging? Mm -hmm. And I think for for me, it's it's twofold. Number one is the the drifting of you know professional sports, especially again, this is a high quality product. Product CEBL is a partner with Canada Basketball. The FIBA sent nine players to the NBA last year, so this is no joke. Quality's there, 
but it understood and why we're so proud to partner with them. They understood that sports was drifting into the lens of entertainment. And so you have a game that is fast paced, faster than the NBA. It ends on a basket uh, with a target score. So it's no fouling for the last two minutes and you peter out a game Uh, and music plays the entire time other than an injuries or stoppage. So um, that's a very, very different proposal. And so we wanted to make sure that if we were coming into that business, we understood where it was trending and where we could provide value, especially as as young guys. And then the second fold is, um, you know, how do we make sure that we're putting out a high quality offering in a market where we have established really, really thoughtful, great sports franchises that have been really, really successful? And so we know that we're standing on the shoulders of giants here. We're listening. We want to be part of the ecosystem. We don't want to, you know, uh, uh, not to play a pun on, on our logo, but ruffle any feathers. Uh, we know that there's a way that we can support the entire ecosystem here and learn from established players in the market. And I think that balance of a little bit of our chip on our shoulder with the young underdog guys, but also staying really close to folks that have done this and been successful in the market for a number of years is what's going to make the difference for us. You know, I, I'm curious, you know, you're, you mentioned the, you know, the music throughout and all that stuff. It just reminds me of how you know, you flip back in time years and years and years ago, and you go to McMahon Stadium for a football game, a Stamps game, and you sit there and you watch the game, right? Same thing with the Flames at the Saddle Dome. But over the years, and with other sports teams as well uh, in the city, that entertainment aspect of being in the venue has emerged as part and parcel of what a game is, right? And uh, why do you think that's happened in sports over the years? And it's everywhere you go. It doesn't matter what city you're in, really. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty astute way of putting it. I, I think part of it is that, you know, different sports become vehicles for different things. And I think pre- predominantly in the conversation around basketball, it's been the conduit to fashion. It's been, you know, even when the you look at the, when I was growing up and watching the um, the NBA commissioner chastising players about dress code, right? And uh, you had Allen Iverson and all these guys that were breaking the dress code. It was because they were sort of bending the line around what was going to be fashionable. And now they've entered into a really good place. And now these guys are fashion icons. You you have the music side is part and parcel with the game in a way that I don't know any other place is. And then you have that melding of art and graffiti art and street art. And, and it's a whole cultural dynamic that I think is best encapsulated by basketball and other sports are now recognizing that they need to play a little bit of catch up. And so there are sports that do it well. There are sports that don't. There are sports that rely on the league to do it versus I think in basketball, the players are coming from this place of this is how they live their lives. They live in the realm of fashion. They live in the realm of music. They live in the realm of culture and the game embodies that. And I think for us um, uh, as, as being part of the business is to get out of the way of that, to harness it, and make sure it's a central part of the offering that we're providing because I don't want just the game to be a barrier for you to come. Yeah. You're not heavy into knowing the players and everything like that. And you know that you're going to get up and you're going to move around and you're going to see a bunch of people and they're going to be listening to music. And it's music that you and your friends, no matter what corner of the city you come from, are listening to. Or if you're just a person that that you don't understand that realm, but you're going to come and you're going to see these kids dancing and moving and shaking. And it's more than basketball. That's when we'll know we've done our job. Because I think that, uh, and I said this a a while ago, if we're just a basketball team, I think we can be reasonably successful. I think it's an underserved part of the market. I think the demand is there. The demographics are shifting. Fine. 
But to be more than basketball is what's going to make this last and make this go. And that's what we're committed to. You, you, you don't think there's a, a, an oversaturation of sports in the city? Uh, you know, we've got obviously professional hockey, baseball, yeah, baseball, professional hockey, professional football, you know, uh, lacrosse, uh, junior hockey, uh, universities. Uh, you know, you, you go down the list. There's lots going on, right? Uh, no fear that uh, that uh, there's not enough uh, audience there to carry you through. No. And I think there's two reasons why. Number one is um, we, we play in the summer. I think it's a very distinct um, uh, uh, sort of time uh, time marker where, you know, certain other teams are off cycle or just coming on and just coming off. Uh, so I think we're better served uh, by that. Number two, I think that there's nothing that it precludes you. If you're talking about 10 or 11 home games right now, obviously, I think as the league grows, we'll get to more. Um, I don't know that there's going to be much that precludes you from going to this game and going to that game. You know, I... I I lived in Toronto for a number of years and it didn't matter. Like I was going to a TFC game. I was going to a Leafs game. I was going to a Raptors game. Um, and obviously I think that's, you know, in Toronto, it's quite pricey. I think in Calgary, we're at an advantage where, you know, you can go to all three of those games at the major level and the minor level, and it's not going to break the bank in the same way. And so it, it did break my bank when I was a young 20 something year old and going to all these games and scalping tickets and oh, yeah. whatnot. And, and, and it adds up. And so, I think if 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 we were going to be um, facing cost bears from that perspective, then I think you would start to see some churn. But if we can all sort of frame our our offering, whether it's the cavalry, whether it's us, whether it's the flames, et cetera, around being affordable, um, solving for some barriers as we're committed to doing, uh, but knowing where each of us fits in the market, I, I don't think it's oversaturated. Uh, people have been waiting as soon as the Raptors created this kind of cultural zeitgeist in the country. And I remember when they launched um, being in the in the GTA, they've been waiting and they've been watching and they've been wondering when some version of that experience will come to Calgary. It's here and we're going to make sure it's here to stay. What do you think that Raptors uh, victory uh, in the NBA championship a few years back uh, did for, for the sport in this country? It's hard to quantify, right? It's, 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 it's such a, it's such a cultural moment, I think for, and I, I don't even know that it's settled in really because it happened so quick and Kawhi came and then Kawhi left and it's, yeah. it's, we, we've just kind of gone back, but, but I think the central thesis was even before we had won, we were one of the league's best teams. We were one of the uh, league's best entertainment experiences in terms of bringing Drake on as a global ambassador, you know, yeah. opening up that public square in, in Maple Leaf Square and turning it into Jurassic Park and Maple Leaf Square like that. Those types of things changed, I think, the zeitgeist of sports in this country, uh, even before a win. Um, and I was, I was there, right? Like I was there at these games, et cetera, and at real sports right next door and seeing what was happening. And we knew all my friends and I knew something is happening in this city. And I think for us, it's just to create that moment. If there's a lesson to take away, it's not just the championship. It's not just having a, a Kawhi or a, a yeah. Kyle Lowry that's here for years. It's, it's about, they created an energy and that energy encapsulated people from all walks of life. Are Raptors fans. There's no, there's no eight, this typical Raptors fan. It's, it's everywhere. Number one, number two, mm -hmm. they, they understood that it was a vehicle for more than just the basketball side, the fashion side, the music side and entertainment side. And then number three, they had a front office that was committed to excellence. And, you know, I, I look at the guy like Masai and that's, that's, that's the model. 
right? So if we're going to be successful, that's the level of excellence we have to instill um, from our game day experience, from our volunteers all the way up. And I think we understand the, the, the Calgary community enough to make sure that we're going to this on, on very steady footing. We're going to make some mistakes. Everyone does. And I've assured our team that as we do, we're going to learn from them. But but we know Calgary. And I think that's the biggest advantage that we have. If we can pay attention to the trends, uh, I think they'll meet in the middle and we'll have a, a great chance of success in this in this city. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, the two of you who are behind this uh, this franchise. First of all, tell me a little bit more or tell our listeners a little bit more of, <clears throat> about Usman and uh and what he does. Yeah, so this one is the president and CEO of the Chirp Group. Um, and so he's a, a, a restaurateur that owns uh, a number of McDonald's throughout the uh, Southern Alberta region. Uh, is one of the largest employers of young people in this province. And I think more than that, um, I think he's found a novel way to, to operate his business where he's achieving some economies of scale through Chirp to be able to manage all of these different restaurants, you know, 20 some odd restaurants is a lot to manage, as you can imagine. But he's he's figured out that business. He's been a successful entrepreneur uh, from from very early uh, in his life. And I think he's 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 learned all of the hard knocks on the operational side to understand what's what's really needed on the ground. And I think that where we where we complement one another is, you know, where um, uh, I had to find opportunities to be entrepreneurial in my career in research and in economic development and uh, 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 management consulting, where I was consulting with clients around the world before I worked for Calgary Economic Development, was I had to find those ways to be entrepreneurial. But at the same point in time, I got a broad macro lens of what uh, what's going on in business and public policy all around the world over, and particularly in this market. And so where I think we really mesh is, is an understanding of what the other is good at. We're going to make the other better in the particular realms that we're going to need to be better at. Um, but we just feel uniquely very positioned to do this together. And, and as I've, I've said to him privately and I've said publicly, um, I could not imagine doing this with anyone uh, but him. We didn't need to do this, but we we wanted to do this together because it was something for the city. It was for community. And we felt uniquely positioned to be able to bring this uh, to to the people in a way that it's going to be successful. Let's talk about that, uh, the impact on the city, uh, you know, and uh, you, you mentioned that you, uh, you were at Calgary Economic Development for a while there. Um, tell me what it, what a sports franchise means and the economic impact a sports franchise has on, on a city. I, I think it's... Um... It's it's critical for a number of reasons, but but I'll I'll focus on on the the ones that are so specific here um, than other examples. And you know this is not a typical example of a, a big conglomerate ownership group that is launching a, an entity. It's about two people that are very dedicated to the city that know the city really really well um, that are standing this up. And and you've seen that from the reaction to the launch has been overwhelmingly positive. And that doesn't happen uh, a whole heck of a lot. So I think what it means from an economic development perspective is a couple fold. Number one is we're playing out of Windsport Event Center. And there's been a number of documented studies about the overall economic impact of that facility uh, to the city of Calgary and the region. In terms of hosting events, we're gonna be one of the first offerings in there to, to play out of the Windsport Event Center, which has now been transitioned to a kind of year round facility, which is very different from those specific winter sport focus that they've had uh, for a number of years. And so we're going to be a big part, hopefully, of their success and vice versa. 
And then secondly, I, I made this point when we when we launched, when we have a conversation with our entrepreneurs, our businesses, large and small, uh, and these games are going to be broadcast across the country, internationally, around yeah. the world, what company names are going to be staring back at viewers from Calgary? And as we talk about you know building a new economy, as we talk about putting a fresh face on Calgary, as we talk about getting through this kind of transition period and uh, I think bottling up all of the energy that we're seeing in unicorns and uh, venture capital records, et cetera, we want to be a, an attractor uh, and an ambassador for what's going on in this city. And so I've said to them, the you know not only what company names are going to be staring back at folks, but who are the people that are going to be watching these games? Who are the people that are going to be attending? Who are the people going to be looking at their smartphones? It's that demographic specific to the CEBL which is your mid-20s, your late 20s, your early 30s, prime working years, if talent attraction and retention is one of the biggest considerations for the city, this is the demographic you've been waiting for. The young, diverse, committed people you want to keep in this city or the ones you want to poach from the rest of the country. Apparently, Alberta is calling, uh, as I've heard recently. So this is, this is another sort of tool in the toolkit to say, you know, we got pro basketball here. Right. And so that's where I think we're very confident that we can be an attractor and especially given our work championing these companies for so many years and, and helping them grow and helping them scale and having that relationship. Yeah. That's where we think this can be a, a bit of an economic development play, uh, as well as just a, a you know, a, a private business that's going to be putting out a high premium product. We want this to be bigger than that. Yeah, and you know when you, when you talk about uh, economic development and and, and attracting uh, people, um, I'm just wondering from your perspective uh, as a business here, uh, uh, what what would you say? What do you tell people out there uh, beyond the the borders of Calgary, right? Yeah. Uh, and and even Alberta about. Why the why of Calgary? Why why is it a good idea to set up a business here? Uh, be a, a sports franchise, be it a tech company, you name it. Okay, dust off my my talking points from my CED days. No, yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but no, but you know the, the truth of the matter is, and, and folks at, at uh, Calgary Economic Development will tell you this. Uh, I didn't have any talking points. What I told them was the straight goods, and the straight goods are I could show you every single statistic that shows how competitive uh, being in Calgary, living in Calgary is. If you were to just blank out the names and looked at the fundamentals around tax implication, around year-over-year -year growth on investment attraction, uh, if, if I were to look at the average wage um, overall, the average salary, uh, you know, all of these different things, Calgary is one of the best places in the entire country, let alone country. But if you look at you know livability rankings like that economist ranking, it's one of the best places in the world. So so maybe that that's not doing enough damage with people in terms of making them convinced that Calgary is the place to come. So why are we sort of shoveling more facts and figures down? They, they know all that, uh, or maybe they don't believe it or they don't feel it right here. And so I sort of tucked those all away and I just said, hey, those are there if you need it. But let me paint a vision for you of where Calgary is going. Of Calgary's young. We're attracting in Alberta this, this high rate of interprovincial migration. And, and they don't remember all of these touch points and, and battles we've had internally and government changes. And, and they don't know any of that. This is just a beautiful place where no one's going to bug them and they can raise their family affordably and have a home and live their lives. And what can we do to bring joy and entertainment and culture 
which is one of the things I think Calgary's always been kind of challenged with, is what is there to do on a Friday night? And I think that's where we feel very confident in saying, you come to one of these games, whether you're a sports fan or not, you're going to come out, you know, if you go pre-dinner, post-dinner, whatever the case may be, on the way to the after party, this is going to be one of these staples that you can bring in. And so for all the people around the the borders, I, I say to them, you know, here's the fundamentals. This just makes good fiscal sense, business sense, et cetera. But I can tell you that there are people who are out here just working. They're building businesses, they're building companies, and and maybe they don't have a, you know a sort of on ramp into promoting this in a way that disrupts perceptions over a number of years because they're too busy working. So if you want a job, if you want to launch a business, and you want great people that are going to be your customers, if you want a wonderful community that's going to welcome you with open arms, no matter where you come from. This is the place. And if you don't believe me, I did that. My wife did that. And I was here only to do my PhD in four years or whatever. And, and I've been here for eight. So that's, and, and we had our son here and we got married here, et cetera. So I'm the proof of this. I grew up, I'm in Toronto and yeah. I left Toronto to come here and I ain't going back. That's, that's where people start to say, well, that's something I could feel. That's not more facts and figures. And I think we have to have, we, we do that a conversation at a time. We do that, an investment or an announcement like this at a time, and eventually there becomes this tipping point where there's just too much going on, and people just feel it versus being told through some sort of top-down way or campaign. What do you think, uh, last question I have for you, what do you think is going to be your biggest challenge uh, in this venture? I I think the the, the biggest challenge uh, is something that we've already addressed. And hopefully we can execute on it. But the biggest challenge that we've said from the front is that we need community support. That if this is going to be able to go at the clip that we think it is, and I, I'm I'm going to repeat again, um, the support from the community and dedicated fans up front has surpassed our expectations. So whatever we thought we were a little bit antsy about or nervous about has has kind of been solved for um but 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 going ahead the central thesis has been this requires community support and whether that's on the corporate side or whether that's you know an energy that exists in all four corners of the city where i see the merch being being repped by kids down the street uh where where i see people coming to our games and and uh, and and I know that we're pulling from all four quadrants of the city, not just one near near and around Windsport. If this lives and breathes there, that's the challenge that we have ahead. And every move we make from now until the first game is played at the end of May, we need to ensure it's by building in community support, being inclusive, welcoming them into the party, and whatever piece of this people want to own. If they're creative that just wants to reinterpret our logo and post it online, go ahead. If you're yeah. someone that wants to to volunteer in some capacity as we do community activations in all four quadrants, great. Sign up on the website and you come in, we'll figure out a way to use you. That is going to be the key to our success. But for any sports franchise, that's that's probably the biggest challenge that they have. So we're recognizing it up front. We think that we can uh, uh, we can deal with it in due time and, and we're excited for the journey ahead. All right, super. Thanks, uh, Jason, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mario. All right, that was Jason Ribeiro, who is Vice Chairman and President of the Calgary Surge of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. I'm Mario Taniguzzi with Calgary's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today.